0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. On August 17, 2016, Dan Hall fainted in his hotel room, striking his head on a doorknob and slamming into a wall.
1: And I found myself on that floor, face down, trying to breathe in. One gasp. It took me about three gasps to get my lungs with enough oxygen, and then I would try to cry for help, but I couldn't all night for seven hours trying to stay alive.
2: You don't want to miss one second of what you're about to have an opportunity to see. I'm James Robinson, Betty, and I welcome you to life today, and this program's about life. Uh, We're going to introduce you to a young man who grew up with our oldest daughter, Rhonda, from the time they were about three years old. Easter egg hunts, birthday parties. Very much a real stud guy as a teenager, and a real strong guy and the typical teen that would cause us to do a little extra praying (laughs) sometimes including the girl he grew up with playing she did some praying but he's got an incredible family six kids beautiful wife married a pastor's daughter bill anderson's daughter pastor first baptist Euless. and uh also in clearwater florida uh, uh tampa clearwater area and uh this uh, young man fell because of a a blood clot in his lung. He passed out. Would you welcome Dan and Hazel Hall to life today? <laughs> How about you, buddy? Love
1: you too, brother James. Thanks for All having right, tell us. Tell us what
2: happened because you're you're in a, some kind of an event in Houston. You're at the hotel. Tell us what happened.
1: Well, I'd arrived in Houston late. I've been serving the last 10 years as a coach and consultant to churches and organizations. And I had a client church call me at the last minute. I hadn't intended to go. So it had been a little bit of a rigorous trip. I arrived late that night. Got into the hotel room about midnight. Crawled into bed and woke up in the middle of the night. Needed to go to the restroom. Um, As I was trying to get back to the bed, I really began to get faint. And... All of a sudden, my head began to hurt, and next thing I knew, I was waking up. Uh, I thought that I had slept really well. Uh, It had turned out, in fact, when I woke up, in the milliseconds, I thought, wow, that was a great night's sleep. But what had happened was, I had passed out pulmonary embolism, had fallen face first, hit a doorknob on the way down, and then landed face first into the wall, slid down the wall, and landed with my face in the crack between the wall and the floor, face down in the carpet. And as I lie there, I began to realize what was going on. Um, I couldn't breathe. My 285 pounds were sitting on top of my lungs and my mouth was buried in the carpet and I was in a bit of a mess in that moment. So uh, part of the problem was that I, I couldn't, when I, when I realized, I was having a hard time moving. Actually, the events in my head were, I I slept so well, I'm numb. And so I started trying to move an arm, and I thought, man, I slept so good that that, that the other side's numb. And then it began to dawn on me, I'm I'm paralyzed. Now that felt like 10 minutes, but it was probably two seconds. Uh, I realized I couldn't breathe. And with my mouth in the floor, I'm trying to get gasps of air, but I can't because when my head's faced down. I can only breathe outside of my mouth. i trying to breathe this way, and I can't get air in my lungs. And um, as I'm lying there, somebody asked me one day, um, early on, man, I bet you really started praying. And James, I've always been a little scared scared at that question when I get asked especially early uh, because I know what they're wanting me to say and I know probably what I should say I grew up in church I know the answer I felt like the the third grader in the Sunday school class when the teacher asked what's brown has a furry tail and eats nuts and a little kid raised his hand and said well I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. And that's, that's the way I felt. I thought, you know, I know you want me to say, yeah, I really began to pray and began to seek God. And I, but instead, as I, as I lay there, as I began to pray, I, I couldn't think of what to pray. Um, I was, I'd accepted Christ as a child. That was a settled issue. I didn't need to settle that issue. Um, I couldn't think of any big sins that I needed to deal with. Since then, my wife gave me a list that I <laughs> I need to consider next time around. Um, you oh, wow. might want to run through this list. Um, but I began to just say, um, I, I realized I couldn't bargain with God. I mean, what was I going to say to God? Um, God, if you'll keep me alive, I'll do something big for you all. I, I, there was no bargaining. God is God. And I, I don't... I don't know what I believe about a lot of stuff, but what I do know is he doesn't need me. He's fine. He's done all this without me. (laughs) And so I was kind of at this resignation. Well, I guess this is it. I can't breathe. I can't get air in. I can't scream for help. I have no idea what time it is. I don't know what's going on. I think it's about 2 in the morning. But as I'm lying there, it dawns on me. And I said this out loud in my head, out loud, you know, God, I know you don't need me, but my kids do. Mm -hmm. And James, as I was lying there on the floor, I began to fight with everything in me to stay alive for those kids. I have six children, three grandchildren. And I found myself on that floor face down trying to breathe in, one gas. It'd take me about three gasps to get my lungs with enough oxygen, and then I would try to cry for help, but I couldn't, and then I would think about one of my children, and I would run this picture through my head, and then I would try to yell, and then I would breathe in again, and I would breathe in, and then I would think about a kid, and then I would breathe out, and I did this all night for seven hours, mm-hmm. trying to stay alive, just to see my kids again. That's all I, that's all I was living for. Somebody said, "But you wanted to live for the glory of the Lord. And James, I, 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 I do want to live for the glory of the Lord, but in that moment, the glory of the Lord to me okay. was to make it to my kids another day. And so seven hours later, I hear a knock on the door, and I don't know how much time I had left, James. I don't know if I had five minutes left. I don't know if I had an hour left. I knew I was running out of energy, but I didn't know if I could keep breathing. And I heard a security guard shout out my name, Mr. Hall. And the last I remember was he said somebody call 911. Uh, I woke up sometime later in ICU. A series of events happened in there. Uh, Woke up to my wife standing there with me. She had flown in from Mississippi. Uh, She got the call. Your husband's unresponsive, Mm. and she had to get on an airplane and fly to Houston not knowing what she was going to land in the middle of. She brought no clothes. She literally got on a plane and flew down there, and that began this journey just over a year ago uh, in August of of last year.
2: I want Dan to tell us, and we'll, we'll touch him. And I'm really hoping that there'll be times you'll come back and you'll expand on all the things God gives you because I think he really wants you to. Well, what, when you found out the condition he was in and then it, you really found out the severity of it, what was going on in, in your heart and mind? Because you've really become the caretaker. The things he said to me when I'm talking to him on the phone about you, it's like you were an angelic being, <laughs> which in so many ways, that's what you've been. But what, what was going on in your heart when you realized what exactly you were dealing with here? What had happened?
3: Uh, my, I told, uh, my mind went white when I got the call. It's just, you know, it was a regular day, you know, finishing up the housework before I got to work. And then you get that call. And um, my brain just went white. Uh, my daughter, my 26-year-old, lives near us. I called her. She helped me get on the plane. And um, at some point in the pl- on the plane, I thought, I need to get in the word. I need to find some Direction some something and I didn't have my Bible with me, but I did have my notebook of sermon notes um, Still in my purse and so I just started going through and of course most of them were from Dan And so I was finding Encouragement and those words, you know from him and one of them that stuck out to me actually was He had taught on to train up a child and our kids are almost grown But then I thought I am training them in this moment And so I immediately started a group text with my kids And um, you know that we all needed to, you know, of course, pray for his survival and whatever we were going to face, we would face it together and with the Lord.
2: Dan, tell me and expand on any you want to, but can you tell us those five things you feel like the Lord has told you he wants you to share that are important?
1: Well, when I came out of that, I, I began to just think about the event itself. I was still in rehab. I spent three weeks in ICU. First three days they didn't know if I was gonna live. Uh, I had had breathed in so much carpet fiber they couldn't get my lungs cleaned out. Uh, As a pulmonary embolism landing in a ICU with a a respirator, uh, I was given a 20% chance to live. And so we were already fighting against the odds. They had to do six bronchoscopies in 10 days to try to get my lungs cleared out which is really unheard of. And so we were fighting all along. I didn't know how bad I was. We were at the Texas Medical Center in Houston. We were in the second busiest trauma center in America. I was actually in the room that they had Gabby Gifford uh, after she was shot in Arizona. And after two weeks, my wife asked the doctor, "You know, tell me where we are, what's going on? And he said, well, ma'am, you need to understand, he's still the sickest man in our unit. Mm. We're not sure what's gonna happen. So for us, it was a pretty touch and go for a long time. Uh, What I'm so grateful about is how we were surrounded by community. Uh, First of all is my family. And and when I talk about five things that the Lord has really shown me, the the first one is is that relationships are the WD-40 of life. You know, I I grew up, there were two things that we had in our house. We had (laughs) WD-40 and what else? Duct tape, right? I mean, everything, if it was loose, you sprayed it, it and if it was loose, you taped it, and if it was stuck, you sprayed it. And so, you know, what does WD-40 do? It loosens up things that you need. Uh, We go through things in life whether we know God or not. We go through things whether things are going well or not. Life can just be tough. The thing that makes it go easier are healthy relationships. And I was so grateful for our marriage I was thankful for our family Uh, I was grateful for the churches that surrounded us you know for all of the problems in the church it has an amazing ability to heal itself (laughs) when it wants to Uh, it doesn't have to be ravaged with spiritual aids it it really can create its own antibodies yes and uh, it really surrounded us and and so I remind people look relationships are so critical. Uh, if you had asked me at 25 what I thought success in life would have been. at the time I was pastoring a church, uh, I've had the privilege of pastoring three growing dynamic churches. but at 25 if you'd have said, Dan, you know what, what do you think success would be?" I'd say, well, you know to pastor a big church to have a lot of people out. To have my own TV show, sitting next to my wife, and you know, being able to interview people and and uh, and all those things that we think success are right. At 50, when I, my 50th birthday, somebody asked me, "Do you feel like life is what you want it to be?" And I said, "You know, here's how I know life is what I want it to be: all my kids still want to come home for Christmas, and I think, man, that." is life, when the family matters. My children dropped everything and came to Houston. They stayed, we had to make them go back to work, make them go back to to school, make them go back to what they were supposed to do. Um, I'm grateful for my marriage. Uh, We've been happily married for 23 years. Been married 30, but we've been happily married (laughs) for 23 years. Um, And when we're navigating through this, and I look up and I see her, and there's no one else I want there. I'm, I'm absolutely fine <laughs> seeing her face. She didn't tell me until seven weeks in how bad I was, how bad the injury was. She just protected me from it. She just wanted me to be encouraged and she carried all that weight by herself and with other people around her. And so I'm so grateful for that. I remember when we got married, I, I like to tell the story that the preacher that married us, which happened to be my father-in-law, so he did have some leverage. But I told him, I said, you know, I want to write my own vows. And he said, "Uh, you can't. And I was a little offended by that. I was 22, I knew what what I was doing. And and I said, well, why can't I? He says, well, Dan, you, you really don't know what you're talking about. And now I got real offended. Because, I, I mean, I listened to Lionel Richie. I knew what love was. And, uh, and I, I said, well, wh- why can't I write my I mind? Mean, really, it was a contentious moment. And he looked at me, and with all seriousness, I'll never forget, I've used this in all my pre-marriage counseling since then. He looked at me and he said, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or poor, till death do you part, he says, you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I learned through this, for better or worse, sickness and in health, for richer or poor, till death do you part, you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. And I found that through this. Amen. And I'm so grateful that my wife and I, we had a date every week for 30 years. <laughs> we went on a date from the time we got married, through all the kids, we could, when we couldn't afford a date. We would go out on a date. We'd walk through the mall and call it a date. And uh, we would go shopping. We never went buying. We always went shopping. (laughs) But we had that time alone. And I was so grateful for that time. I was grateful for friends, for the church. And so I know that's one of our big lessons is that relationships matter. Don't take them lightly. And I tell men, chase your wife. In the right way, pursue can, her, love her.
2: Yeah. Can you tell us the next four? Just tell us. what uh, they Well, uh, are. I mean, this is not Oprah. I know you might have thought it was, but it's not. We don't have as much time as she does. So, but I want to hear those other four. Can well, at least say it you going to come back and expand that, on them.
1: that. Um, that joy is the strength that gets us through the most difficult circumstances. If 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 laughter does good like medicine, we need to laugh more. Yeah. My wife puts it this way: find the funny. and so we have really tried to find the funny so this through this whole thing we were we were just making fun of things the best we could one of the doctors came in one day and asked me said uh well mr. Hall how are you doing and I said oh and she said pardon me and I said oh and she looked at Hazel and said how long has he been like this and she said Dan Well, there was nothing wrong with me. (laughs) Everybody was so serious, I thought, we need to lighten this room up. You act like somebody's about to die or something. And so, you know, you find the joy in the moment. And the second thing I would add, or the third thing is that, but how do you get that joy? And I believe it's through gratitude. Gratitude is the pathway to joy. You, You don't get joy by walking down an aisle. You don't get joy. You get joy by cultivating it. By being grateful for what you do have, rather than angry or frustrated about what you don't have. We would end every day in ICU with our wins. You know, whatever it was that day, we actually got ice cream or we, uh, you know, the blood pressure stabilized or, you know, somebody came by and we would just enumerate those. Uh, The fourth one is, James, I don't know why this happened. I have everybody trying to tell me why yeah. and I'm grateful for that people people are well-meaning and I've had some of my friends say God's making a larger platform for you or you know God did this to show his glory or the devil's trying to take you out or <laughs> you know uh, whatever and they're always trying to give an answer and someone said why do you think this happened and I said well I had a pulmonary embolism and I hit a wall <laughs> I, that's that's the best answer I can give. And so I, what I took out of that, James, was this. It's far more important how I respond to uncertainty than whether I explain the uncertainty. That's right. And you know, it doesn't matter why I'm in this chair. I'm in the chair. And I've gotta decide what I'm gonna do about being in this chair. And there's so many of us that we don't know why it happened. I don't know why the divorce happened, I don't know why the bankruptcy. I don't know why your friend betrayed you. I don't know why your church split. I don't, I can't, I don't know that I can give you an answer, but I can tell you this. You've got to decide what to do with it. And I've got to decide what to do in this chair. And then the last thing is it's all about grace. I don't, I don't think I deserve this. I don't think I didn't deserve it. I don't think it has anything to do with favor or not favor. If this world came down to who deserved what, Um, Robin would still be alive and Al Qaeda would be history. This life isn't just, I don't get it. And I had one of my mentors used to say, the books don't balance in this life, but they do
2: balance. I want to just say that, that, You're one of my heroes, (laughs) with all my heart. When you pray for a kid, you grew up with your kid, and you see the greatness of God, all over you, just thank Him for showing us Jesus. Hazel, thank you. Dan, all your kids, thank you. Thank you for showing us Jesus. God, let the church show the world the living Jesus like Dan is. And to you be the glory. Would all of you in this audience say, Dan, thank you for showing us Jesus tonight, and just praise God. And then let me just say this to you, all of you watching. The missionaries asked us for 71 trucks and vehicles, and we didn't know they needed it. So I'm just saying this to you. Let's give those missionaries what they ask for, okay? Here's a little clip. I wanted you to hear all we could have done. I'm just gonna ask you to do it, okay? Let's give them those trucks, okay?
0: For many years now, as part of our Rescue Life campaign, Life Outreach has partnered with a ministry in Southeast Asia called Zoe International. Together, we have rescued many children from the dangers of human trafficking and have also built a life center that provides a loving home for these children.
1: We are rescuing children from human trafficking, giving them a fresh start at life. Each and every weekday, we are taking over 50 children to and from school in a vehicle that is over 14 years old and it is on its last legs. It has been through the ringer. We are in desperate need of a vehicle that we can rely on to keep our children safe.
3: Zoe Children's Home is located in the mountains and the road to the schools is steep and winding. It is especially dangerous during the rainy season.
0: In addition to caring for the children at the Life Center, our mission partners also minister in remote villages in the area. The goal is to educate the children and their families about human trafficking and how to avoid becoming a victim of a trafficker.
3: We travel to remote villages located in the mountains and jungles to bring them the good news of Jesus Christ. When necessary, we take all of the equipment needed to hold a meeting including generators, sound, and video equipment, lighting, stages, and tents. We currently transport our equipment in three old pickup trucks, each of which has been driven nearly 250,000 miles on rough terrain. A heavy-duty six-wheel truck would help us to more effectively bring the gospel to many who are hungry for God's touch. Please ask God what He would have you do to not only help Zoe, but life's other partners around the world who are in need of dependable transportation. God bless you.
2: God bless you, sweet missionaries. And uh, you've heard Jesus through Dan Hall and and through Hazel. Uh, You have seen it. Now, I don't need to say anymore. If you want to help the missionaries keep helping people, they need some vehicles. It doesn't have a lot of emotion attached to it. But it's the only way they can deliver the goods, carry the people, rescue people. And they say, would you help us? Please do, Okay. Make the call. We have some gifts to bless you with. You've been blessed today because we come on every day to share life today. So let's share it around the world, okay? Go online or make the call. Make the gift God puts on your heart.
0: Thank you for doing it. It's a missionary's nightmare, having life-saving relief supplies in your hand and no way to get it to those who are suffering. Some of the vehicles so vital to our outreaches are completely worn out and must be replaced. And in some critical areas, no transportation is available at all. Life's mission partners have immediate and urgent needs to transport life-saving supplies to children and families in remote locations. An additional $1.1 million is needed to purchase 71 vehicles, large and small. Your gift of $40, $80, $120 or $1,000 will help purchase these vehicles and provide life-saving food, clean water, medicine and the good news of Jesus to people in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request The Sweetest Name, Classic Hymns CD, with a booklet containing the history behind the hymns for all 12 songs. With your gift of $120 or more, please request the NIV Supergiant Print Reference Bible, ideal for anyone looking for a Bible that's gentle on the eyes. Finally, please prayerfully consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help transport life, and you may request our beautiful Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. This is the last day. Please call, write, or make your gift online.
2: It's been one of the most powerful moments I've ever experienced, I'm glad we could share it with you this tell how much I love his kid and he's still a kid to me and I was in his 50s still a kid um, he's going to come back and we're going to flesh out all the things God wants him to share with us Dan Hall still on course that's his website if you want to know you you might want to bring him to a big secular convention or some church gathering but whatever you do if you do you love him and take care of him and his family because you love him but listen to me He's full of Jesus. Would you all join us in? Thanks to Dan Hall, thanks to God. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, so proud of you so much. So put it in words. Thanks for watching. You saw life today. this is the last day so please please let us hear from you we do depend upon god to meet the need through you thank you for being a vessel of blessing
3: this whole culture be brave be brave You know, sometimes brave doesn't look like going and confronting it yourself. Sometimes being brave means you enlist help.
0: Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.